Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Solvable. I'm Ronald Young, Jr., We are trying to push people towards decisions that are less carbon intensive, so create less climate emissions from transportation. Also better for expenditures of tax dollars being more wise, as well as improving safety outcomes in transportation. For Laura Shule, making greener decisions isn't a matter of juggling a hundred little choices like when to unplug appliances, eat less meat, or swap out incandescent bulbs for LEDs. Choose a car that gets 50 MPG over 40 MPG, You don't have to think about it as much. So, like, think about the big decisions that matter and, like, stop freaking out if you forget your cloth grocery bags once. As CEO of Streetlight Data, Shul has the data to back this stuff up. But you won't find her proselytizing yet. So I have a fundamental belief that informed decisions will arc towards changes that I want to see in the world. But we, as data providers, we have to be neutral because we're a source of truth. Streetlight Data is a transportation analytics company, and Laura Shule thinks how we move can be changed for the better. My name is Laura Shule. I'm the CEO of Streetlight Data. How to monitor and mold our transportation systems into smart and environmentally friendly systems is a solvable problem. I recently watched Mission Impossible 3, and Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise, who plays Ethan Hunt, is a part of the Impossible Mission Force. In this one, he's actually getting married. And as a a result, his cover for working for the Impossible Mission Force is that he works for the Bureau of Transportation. So he's at a party, and he makes this comment where he goes, yeah, traffic patterns are so crazy, it moves. It's like an organism. It's very interesting. And everyone kind of looks at him like, ugh, this guy's kind of boring. And so what I'm thinking about our listeners, I'm thinking about them and thinking about data could be something that's like extremely boring to them. But give me a piece of data that excites you the most and something that you think a listener or just a casual person would find interesting 
interesting when it comes to uh, talking about transportation data. Well, first of all, that movie sounds awesome, and my company is immediately going to have a movie night about it. <laughs> Second of all, he's not boring. He sounds like the most interesting person at the party. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> One of the things that I hope is coming with um, Secretary Buttigieg and President Biden is a demand that we calculate our transportation greenhouse gases, which we don't really do. We kind of swag it. One of the concerns with that is that then it would be bad for rural places because rural places especially with highways, are places where you have a lot of miles driven that have nothing to do with that rural place, right? People are cutting through. MnDOT, Minnesota DOT, used our data to do a version of greenhouse gas emissions that attribute the miles driven to the destination of the car and the truck. And what that does is it properly demands payment, so to speak, from the cities, from the fact that they cause all this driving to and from them, and doesn't put disproportionate cost in carbon on the rural areas. That sort of data-driven approach could reduce some of the future pushback we're going to see about carbon accounting from transportation. One interesting thing that I heard about you was that you started off as a comparative literature major. So how did you end up going from comparative literature to uh, data analytics? Ah, it is a classic story of a great professor. So I was in college and I was majoring in comparative literature and I assumed I would be a literature professor. That just seemed my destiny. And because of distribution requirements, you had to take one science class by the end of sophomore year. Mm -hmm. So I took Introduction to Environmental Engineering just because it fit my schedule. And I came out of the final and I was like, oh, climate change is the most important thing of my generation. Mm. And I know I must spend my life working on this. So you founded a company called Streetlight. Uh, tell me a little bit about what it does. Streetlight is a transportation analytics company. So from the perspective of somebody making transportation decisions, like a government or an engineering firm or somebody starting like a delivery company, before Streetlight, they're operating a world with little data. So you have to make a decision about like, should I spend $2 billion on this highway extension or, you know, a billion dollars on this new transit line? But there was very little data to guide you. So what Streetlight does is we take advantage of the fact that everything that moves now is collecting data. Smartphones, connected cars, connected trucks, little scooters. There's data embedded in stoplights, everything. And we license it from all different types of places in a privacy-appropriate manager and smoosh it together with a lot of proprietary algorithms and machine learning so that you can look up a transportation fact as easily as you might look up a fact in Wikipedia. So what would you say the benefit of this data is for whom? Our product is not for consumers like you or me. It's for transportation professionals. And that's usually someone in government, someone in an engineering firm, or someone with their own private transportation company like Uber or, you know, a private tollway or things like that. So the benefit is instead of making decision based on somebody yelling at you and kind of your gut, you make a decision that is based on data mm -hmm. and that is based on a real understanding of the context. That's the fundamental benefit. Now, then there's a bigger question, which is what is the benefit of making a good decision? And we are trying to push people towards decisions that are less carbon intensive, so create less climate emissions from transportation, also better for expenditures of tax dollars being more wise, as well as improving safety outcomes in transportation. This all sounds very noble. And uh, I'd be interested to know how you picked this specific uh, 
lane, I would say when it, well, I guess lane for talking about transportation. Literally lane. <laughs> How would you pick this specific lane um, when it comes to trying to solve for climate change? The climate community is paying less attention to transportation than to other parts of the climate crisis. So really, I could have chosen anything because it's all worth a lifetime. But I was like, well, I got to pick something. Transportation, I think, has less people. So it deserves my attention. And also, it's just interesting. I mean, where people go, how they think about the new roundabout in their city, how they think about their commute. I have, as soon as you say you're in transportation, your cocktail party conversations are covered because everybody wants to talk about it. You're a for-profit company. So mm-hmm. how do you control or and how can you really give guidance to folks to make wise decisions when it comes to climate change rather than just using your data to maybe monetize or, you know, build more malls, uh, make just give more opportunities to sell things to people rather than actually doing the things that would improve the planet? That is a really good question. So before I started Streetlight, I had never worked at a for-profit company. I had worked for not-profits, not-for-profits, NGOs. I'd worked for the government. Um, I'd been in academia. I'd been getting my PhD. With all love and respect to my nonprofit friends and colleagues and my government friends and colleagues, I had felt a little bit frustrated by the scope you can get when you're at a nonprofit and you're constantly scrambling for money. I had seen a lot of green tech companies that I thought were scaling their impact faster than I believed possible in the nonprofit sector. Mm -hmm. But there's a trade-off there. Because we almost never tell our customer, you should do this because it's greener. You should do this because it's better for asthma-causing pollutants. If they ask us about that, we'll always give them the answer. But we, we, as data providers, we have to be neutral because we're a source of truth. So I have a fundamental belief that informed decisions will arc towards changes that I want to see in the world. Mm. And one of the reasons the transportation world is not headed in the direction that I like is because we don't use data. We base decisions on what we've done in the past or the more powerful lobby. Mm. So there is a faith jump in choosing to go that for-profit route. Do you think that's a little more optimistic than is necessary to actually solve the problem of climate change? Because I think that people, when they have more information, make better decisions. I think that's true. But it also means that we have to trust the person making the decision that they'll make the right one. In general, I am skeptical about people just because they have better information always making the right decision. But in transportation in particular, what we are dealing with is this immense inertia of building more highways to facilitate more cars going fast. Biking and walking are hugely important parts of solving transportation climate emissions. So as one example, um, a lot of attention before COVID and during COVID has been drawn to the fact that bicycle and pedestrian deaths are on the up. And if people are dying and it's getting a lot of press, a, I do not want people to die. And B, it's a, also a challenge for our bigger goal of a more climate-friendly transportation world. One of the major issues that came up is nobody knows, like, bike deaths, bike deaths per what? Like, nobody knows how many bike trips there are in the U.S. or in a neighborhood or in a city. And we had that data available, and that has become one of our top use cases in, you know, under 18 months. I think many states and cities are making much more wise and informed decisions about bicycle and pedestrian safety, which A, is good for humans and B, is good for climate. 
As a data-driven person, uh, you're putting a lot of faith in people. Are you seeing more of people making good decisions based on this data than you are of them making profitable or capitalistic decisions made based on this data? I don't know if I've ever calculated the ratio, but I always say Streetlight is not a magic box that tells you what to do. It's a tool to help smart people do what they want to do more effectively. Now, those smart people could want to be doing capitalistic things, but one thing that is been huge in my industry in transportation and urban planning is the people who are coming into the industry do not look like and are not motivated by the same things that the people who came in 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 50 years ago, many of whom are still just you know starting to retire. And this generation of people coming into it um, are very motivated by the right decisions. And we're trying to give them tools so they can get done what they want to get done. And I also will say with the government clients, most of them that I meet even if they are very dedicated to, say, highway expansion, which is something that if I had to summarize my life goal, it would be to stop highway expansion in the United States. Like, that would be it. Even if they are, they are motivated by something they perceive as good. Mm -hmm. Like, they perceive it as good for their community, and they perceive it as good for jobs in their community. People who go into government don't go into government to get rich, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I'm not talking about the electeds. I don't deal with electeds all that often. I deal with staff. Yep. And even if I don't agree with their definition of good, we both agree we're trying to do something for our community. So there's a common place to start talking. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History. If you've watched a professional tennis match recently, you'll know that fans had this amazing new tool at their disposal. It was created by the consulting company Infosys and the Association of Tennis Professionals. It's an immersive 3D viewing experience for tennis fans, which allows them to watch matches from new angles, get real-time statistics, and better understand the inner workings of the game and its athletes. Basically, a completely new data-driven way to appreciate a tennis match. It's been a huge hit, and I'm proud to say that the Infosys Tennis Platform earned first place in the customer experience category at the Unconventional Awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event held at Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas that celebrates customers who've boldly innovated for the sake of meaningful change. And I think it's important to point out that innovation like this doesn't just require a great idea and exploit some great underlying technology. It takes courage. Because tennis is a game with a long history and some pretty powerful traditions. I mean, you can only wear white at Wimbledon. Still, it's the 21st century. And here was an idea that said we can dramatically change the way a fan watches a match. We can feed them data. We can allow them to see things they could never see before with the naked eye, or even conventional camera angles. If you want to turn a world upside down, you have to have a pretty strong backbone. That's a lot of what the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards are all about. Finding people and companies who show that kind of boldness. I encourage you to enter. It's a fantastic event and a great way to be recognized for your brave, outside-the-box thinking in front of the industry's most influential leaders. And an even better way to say, I told you so. You can enter by July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Hi. 
As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tell me a little bit about where you get your data from. We use lots of different types of data. We're like a surfer and we're surfing the wave of data and data is this always changing thing and whatever data we use today, it'll be different six months from now and a year from now. Mm -hmm. But right now, the main data we use that's the most important is from smartphones. So we have an opt-in process, which is a much more privacy, pro-privacy process where people can work with one of our 400 and so app partners and opt in to de-identified locational tracking in the background. And what that means is we don't know you're Ronald. You have a hashed identifier. And so we never get any what's called personally identifiable information. We don't know your name, your phone number, anything like that. We also get data from connected cars that have GPS tooling in them, as well as uh, fleet management systems, which are truck management systems. Trucks rip up the road and cause safety impacts in a very different way than cars, so it's important to study them separately. But the deep benefit of the phones is that they cover all the modes of transportation. And one of Streetlight's core missions and sort of differentiators, one of the things we've done that's really new, is we measure all the modes, car, truck, bike, ped, riding a train, riding a bus, riding a ferry, eventually jetpack, whatever. And that is something that has never really been available before. And that's one of the reasons that cars keep getting this hegemony is because they're the only things that are consistently measured. Mm -hmm. So we have all those pings, breadcrumbs floating around, and then we mix it with data from um, embedded sensors in the roadways that help us calibrate. We mix it with bike counter data, ped counter data, um, data from bus ridership, data that says, you know, Low-income people live here. High-income people live here. This is a road with 50-mile-per-hour speed limit. This is the ocean. All sorts of contextual data to turn it into actionable and aggregate analytics. Mm. One of the drawbacks to a data company like Streetlight is that you guys are uh, selling your data to people that can pay. It's not something that's free to the public, but it's, it's information about public movements. Are you concerned that having to pay for this data hinders its ability to be truly useful? It's a great question. So I am a of course, somewhat concerned. Some of the mitigation steps we take are all academic researchers who are researching something within our mission, which is climate, equity, safety, get free access. You just fill out a form and we have like 75 universities that we're working with who are doing totally free research based on our data. And we also have um, fellowships where nonprofits can apply to get free research and we also help promote their research. 
But that, that is mitigation. That's not fixing the fundamental problem you've talked about. And I don't have a great fix. And um, we have 100 staff. We spend a lot of money on the cloud. And what we do is expensive. We have to survive. Um, and I think that in America, we have consistently disinvested in government-driven collection of data. But because we've made that decision that data is something that private markets are going to develop, we, we can't have everything online. What issues are you eager to see solved in transportation in the next five years? There's a big conversation right now um, in the Senate about everybody's saying in the infrastructure bill, oh, yeah, we should measure equity in transportation. And they're like, how? No one knows. There's no way. Like, there should, I mean, there's 45,000 ways. There's no agreement. So there's going to be a lot of quick work on that. So I'm very interested in that. Streetlight is working on a lot more direct carbon and equity measurements now that we have a Biden administration that opens up the space where that could be used. So we are going to make a lot of tooling that's more mission direct in addition to our more neutral data collection efforts. So that is starting now. Um, We need to solve the question of what does it mean to have equitable transportation and how do you define it? Mm -hmm. Because there's no good, there's no good definition right now. Um, And we're collaborating with some nonprofits and some advocacy organizations to get explicit measurements about that. The fact that we can measure the income and racial distribution of where people move is a huge leap forward in starting to measure transportation equity. I mean, it sounds like you're saying that transportation equity begins with data. I think everything begins with data. So take that with a grain of salt. (laughs) I mean, transportation is in a bad way in America. It's disequitable. It's destroying the climate. It kills 43,000 people a year. And like our bridges are falling down. Mm -hmm. Like we're pretty bad. Mm -hmm. So we have to change. And to think of a massive systemic change without data, I just think that's insane. But I agree. It's not data alone. We are a tool for smart uh, people motivated by the right things to do their job more easily. Uh, How do you motivate private companies to care about public issues like climate change? (laughs) there are two ways you get corporations to care about climate change one is you point out to them that it will have a huge impact on their bottom line either today or in 10 years and a lot of corporations are there right they get that and the second way is their staff starts to throw a fit so we help we have helped some staff throw fits quietly (laughs) we don't do it that directly um, that's what we do. Do you, do you want us to include that in the, in the final sure. cut that you're starting cool? I mean, the main thing we point out is that staff, if, you, if all your staff have to drive their own cars 50 miles each way, like that will dwarf the climate impact of your office building within a couple of years. Gotcha. So we've, we've, we've worked on that. Okay. I think that's a good strategy. How can our listeners help? Like what what could someone who wants to be like a more uh, responsible and better city resident, how can they help right now? And what about people that don't live in like bustling cities, people that live in more mm-hmm. rural areas? How can we all help make it make transportation um, better for everyone? Well, one thing that I think is fun is to track your own data for a few days. One thing that I think sounds simple, but nobody gets is that your short trips are less carbon emitting than your long trips. Mm-hmm. So I've had some friends, you know, lovely eco-hippie friends who say to things to me like, well, you know, I take a bus every day to work. The only reason I have a car is for like, you know, weekend adventures to go hiking. And I'm like, well, that is a 110 mile drive. Like I'd rather you drive to work every day and 
maybe carpool or take the train for your eco-adventure. So really think it's the length of the trip that matters. So track your own data. I think it'll surprise you. It might make you more open to an electric car and it might help you think about which trips really matter. I also think that as a citizen, as a private individual, there are three personal infrastructure decisions you make in transportation. Where you live, which car you buy if you buy a car, and where you spend most of your days, which is usually where you work. And if you optimize those decisions a little, like if you move to an apartment that's closer to work or choose a job that's a little closer, you've optimized your transportation footprint and you don't have to like agonize about it every day. So optimize those big, you know, if you choose a car that gets 50 MPG over 40 MPG, you don't have to think about it as much. So like think about the big decisions that matter and like stop freaking out if you forget your cloth grocery bags once. Those infrastructure decisions matter more. Where you live, where you work, the relationship between them and what car you drive, if you drive a car. As citizens, citizens have a lot of power about city-level urban design decisions. If you show up, there's always feedback meetings. And if you show up, you will make a difference. And I think the other thing to remember is a lot of the people show up are people who have a very vested interest in things being the same, which may be good, sometimes it's not, or people who just assume the worst. And usually the staff at these meetings, again, it's not elected, it's staff who've chosen this career. Usually they are trying really hard. And if someone calmly showed up and said, can you show me the data? Can you show me the alternatives? They would be so excited and that person would be so impactful. So showing up um, and showing up trying to work with the staff instead of assuming the worst of them, I think is really powerful. You have any books or movies that you think uh, you would recommend to, for people to learn more about transportation and transportation equity? Well, now I want everybody to watch Mission Impossible 3. I mean, um, 3 and Gross <laughs> Protocol are the best ones, so. Okay, now I know. I'll You're watch welcome. them. I'll watch them tonight. My favorite book about transportation is by John McPhee. It's called Uncommon Carriers. Mm-hmm. And it's a book about the people who do the work of freight hauling. Mm. He just writes so beautifully and with such dignity about the people who do this work and the incredibleness of the machines that get our T-shirts and our popcorn to our houses, like whether it's the freight boats with the giant containers or the long contracts. That book, it gave me a sense of awe and respect for the sort of societal achievement that is our transportation system. And I think that's healthy if you're thinking about changing something. The, the, the infrastructure bill is not called the infrastructure bill. It's called the American Jobs Act. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is very important, especially for technologists like me, that we don't just assume that our efficient approach, and it is more efficient, is neutral like to society and to think about these industries we're disrupting. Thank you so much for being with us, Laura. My pleasure. Laura Shule is the CEO of Streetlight Data. We'll include links to her suggestions on ways to learn more about transportation and data analytics in our show notes. Next time on Solvable, we're talking about sugar, salt, fat, all the good stuff, and how to solve food addiction. But before you turn away feeling annoyed and clinging to a bag of delicious cheese puffs, here's a little preview. The solution is not all on you. I hope you'll join us for that conversation. Solvable is produced by Jocelyn Frank. Research by David Ja. Booking by Lisa Dunn. Our managing producer is Sasha Mathias. And our executive producer is Mia LaBelle. I'm Ronald Young Jr. Thanks for listening.
The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to luckylandslots.com to play over 100 social casino style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.